0: I love when we do podcasts when I've been out in the field for a day and, and you know my job is all over the place these days, especially between growth and and certainly the last few years have been challenging and getting the right people into the organization. And we've had some turnover. There's been no question whether it's been retirements, people that have just, you know, they, they did well and, and were very smart about their finances and, and had the ability to retire. We had eight of those in the pandemic, and they just decided they had had enough. And then we had some other folks that wanted to pursue different things and and different industries, uh, or we had people walk away from their roles and and go from example from a VP role into a sales rep role, which was right for them because they wanted to relocate, and you know. It has me working more project than ever but it still means that i get to get out in the field and and today was one of my favorite days you know my father always used to say you know when you don't know what to do go make a sales call and that still is very true in that you're out with the customers and you know you see your products in action you see their manufacturing processes in action and there's just a great feeling about it i mean i think sometimes when you get stuck inside for a while, especially in the types of roles that we have, you can, you know, you can get it in your own head a little bit, or, you know, you, you get uh, a little too bogged down in things that might be too minutia. And uh, it's nice to just get out in the field and, and see things working, and, and also interact with people that I really love, that are customers or longtime customers. We have great uh, conversations. And they invite us into their business. And, and we're truly a partner. Like They're looking to learn what we know and, and what we've picked up in our travels. And, and those are my favorite days, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, a lot of times right now, what's required of me is to be behind a computer. And it's, it's not what I love. And it's not what I think I'm necessarily the best at. I don't think it's my strength. And it's very noticeable that when I have days where I'm interacting with people more, my team or customers or vendors, like I feel different at the end of the day. Like I feel uh, I have more energy. I, I feel energized at the end of the day as opposed to if I'm in the office grinding. Now, granted, that day where I'm behind the computer might be what's needed and it might be the most productive day. But when I'm with people, it's a different, it's different. And it might be, I've thought about this a lot. Like, why is that? Why is it, it could be the most packed jam day, but I leave feeling so great from my conversations. Like maybe that feeds into, maybe I really am an extrovert and it just fills my cup and I need that Mm -hmm. because I've been told that if you're a true introvert, a day like that, while, while it can be, um, a great thing you need you feel like you'd ha- you're you're left with nothing you're empty you need to rest you need to re-energize where I feel the opposite so maybe it has something to do with that mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a noticeable difference and it's something that I hope um, with a little bit more time and effort put into the businesses and the processes that I can do more of because it's, it's really what's missing for me and uh, it, it adds a little bit of stress, I would say, for sure.
0: Yeah, I also think, and, and this is me observing you, and I and we have these conversations a lot, so I, nothing is, is really uncharted between us because we talk about things that are, are stressors. But I also know that in those moments when I am in very task tasky mode, you know, trying to get things out, whether I'm working on a proposal because I have my sales hat on that day, or I'm working on something that could be internal when I have my president hat on, it could be a policy or something. I, I tend to, um, set the bar extra high about delivery and and I and I don't know that anyone else has that expectation of me but me. And I, I think I get stuck in this mode where I'm I'm self-imposing all of these deadlines where, you know, does the person on the other side, whoever that might be in this moment, do they care about 12 hours or do they care about 24 hours? I don't know if they do or they don't. And I really don't stop to think about it. I just pile it on where Nothing different happened. You know, I was in the field today and, and uh, there were some things that were sitting, of course, just by virtue of driving, which it's hard to be really productive driving anymore. And it was fine. So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, but I understand exactly what you say. And I do come back energized. And for that, I will probably work a little later tonight. You know, I'll, I'll have some extra energy and um, and, and my productivity will we'll come back in addition to working some additional hours. But, you know, it won't just be exclusively more input my output will get better because of my my mind space or where I am after having a day like that.
1: Yeah. I've had, I've just had three very different thoughts on, on your comments. So I'm trying to figure out which direction to go and I might go all three. Um, but you know, the one, the one comment about do I have 12 hours versus 24 versus 36, whatever that looks like, in my space where a lot of what we sell is commodity materials, whether it's two by fours or a piece of pipe, you know, I, there's not a lot of differentiators. And for us, I've always thought our, our differentiator is that we are first to respond. And I'm hard on my team about that. If I see an email that goes left for more than an hour, as my team can attest to, it's, it's not pretty. And so I bear that in mind, you know, and that's, that's a lot of pressure and, and, and walking that fine line of driving yourself to insanity, but also keeping with like, this is why we have that edge. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one thing. And I think you've just got to, uh, you've got to know the situation. You've got to be aware and that's, that's challenging, but it comes with time and understanding of the project and the customer. Um, that's one thing. And then as far as, uh, The interaction with people and I I, you know, we've talked about on last episode. We want to be very vulnerable on here and one thing I want to be Really mindful of and good at is talking about the challenges as we're going through them not in hindsight Not after I figure them out. It's like okay. This is really one of my struggles right now and you know, as a business that did almost $48 million in revenue last year, I'm still working in the billing, in the purchase orders, in the quotes, like I know everything down to the penny. That's a problem, mm-hmm. right? And that's on me for not digging in to the processes and, and just streamlining the business, automating it, delegating it, hiring more. And so now I'm, I'm trying to climb out of a hole And while we still have it all together, eventually we won't. Mm -hmm. So I know that I've got it. And we've had this conversation like, hey, babe, there's I'm going to have to say no to everything for uh, out of the business right now. I'm going to have to work the weekends. I've got to get out of this. But that's short term because we've got long term things that like we want to do together. Mm -hmm. So it's it's. You know, recognizing that and actually doing something about it, which I haven't done enough in seven years.
0: Yeah, but I think you know you have to give yourself a little bit of a break in that. You know, when you're in those rapid growth moments, it's reasonable to make sure that it's sustainable. You know, you wouldn't just run out and add a bunch of people the second you saw a little bit of a blip on the screen as it relates to sales. You would wait a moment to see if it's sustainable. And in the moment, it means you work more, right? And and just like I do, or when we go on those things, wait. If it's at the ops level. We might work some more overtime or, or whatever that looks like, but I don't think it's unreasonable that you wouldn't you wouldn't work a little harder in the short term. But once you're sure it's sustainable then you do need to do something right because Mm -hmm. you can't wear yourself out personally in those moments and i think the challenge is what do you do you know and from an org chart perspective or you know where do i make this investment inside of my team that's truly going to make the change that i'm looking for in this case for you it you know it's it's how do i get away from some of the more administrative type activities because you know of the rain you know you are one of the rainmaker or rainmakers that i've met so the idea that you would be Pushing too much paper at a particular point um, that would keep you away from your superpower, which is that, mm-hmm. then then you risk it becoming detrimental to the company's growth long term. But I think that it's re- it's really hard to know, like, all right, what do I do with the org ER chart? What is the right hire? And if the if the answer is, you know, if I can't automate through it. And I have to delegate, and that means I'm going to delegate to someone that's not here yet. What does that role look like? What's that? What's that part of the playbook? And who's that player? And what plays am I going to ask them to run? I think that's the hard part.
1: It is, and and again, something. I'm going to stop saying it. it's something we talk about all the time. I think everybody gets that. Yeah, I think everybody uh, talks about Because I, I was just about to say that, and I was like, wow, I've said that three times, and it's been 10 minutes. Um,
0: we it, Plus, I think we have no original thoughts. Actually, it's the contrary. It's just that we never stop talking to each other. I think that's the cool part.
1: Well, we're all recycling all the same thoughts anyway. Uh, but it's just that cycle. Like, you you get in like you're you're growing right and so you're finding yourself working more on the business and you're so busy you've got to work more on the business that you don't have time to to work on the business and then thing then it's just this like constant cycle that you can't get out of and it's, and at some point it's just like yeah i got i take a step back and maybe that does mean the business slows for a second which the best business owners do, and I still have not been able to, to do. Um, and, and I'm not saying it's always required, but a lot of times it is. And it's something fascinating. And by the way, we had a topic of mine which we haven't touched, which maybe we will, maybe we won't, but mm-hmm. this is just what's on our mind, and, and I like it. Um, but I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, which I do when I exercise or just walk. and it's really been interesting. I've listened to a, several younger CEOs than, than usual, and all of them have managed to take businesses, and eventually they're the founder, but then they put in someone in place of themselves as a CEO, and they recognize very early that they are, and, and I believe all three or four of them that I listened to figured out that their strong point was that they were a a brand they were great at branding and marketing Mm -hmm. and so they were smart enough at a fairly young age to replace themselves with the ceo um, and and people that knew the finances better the ops and then they put themselves in a position where they really strive i was thinking to myself like wow, that's such maturity at such a young age to recognize that. And not, not to say that I'm there or I think that's required, but just moves like that of, of sitting down and saying, I'm really good at this and I'm not so good at this or I really like this and I don't like that. Like, do I need to bring in some, an equal or, or somebody of management? <laughs> what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And that awareness is, is everything, um, but it takes a step back in time and you've got to give it the time and effort that it, it's that's hard to find yeah impossible think, almost and
0: also too i think it's important to remember that a lot of people that are on the podcast they are there because they got there there's any number of people that attempted the same thing that failed miserably people will never know about 100%. And, and that's an interesting mindset and, and to think that, that a lot of people probably don't think about when you're going through those growth phases when you finally decide to make that investment you take the pay cut You know we don't we don't have investors right or we don't have uh you know just endless um resources in the way of cash or whatever it be so you know when you do decide as a small business owner to make that investment it comes directly out of whatever compensation you might be able to take at the end of the year whether that's a bonus or something uh, because you generally don't cut your other employees, right? I mean, so if if it requires X number or tens of thousands of dollars to bring in that particular person, then that's directly coming out of, out of your potential compensation. I think that's, pieces that people don't really think about or understand. And that's why it would have you working those crazy hours. You know, it's, it's nothing for us at times to put in an 80-hour week or a 70-hour week, especially if you feel like it's something that's a little more not project in nature, but you just need to get it over the hump. Or I know around here, whether we're starting an automation division or something, you know, I will do the vast majority of the heavy lifting to make sure that it's viable, sustainable, and then look to bring someone in, like a VP of automation, as we did along the way, to run that particular part of the business, but I think, you know, the, the it would it would be easy to just be like, yeah, well, I'll just bring somebody in and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's that's great, but you have to have the financial resources to do that, and and you know, just something for our audience to consider. If, you know, if you're not in this particular seat, is that comes directly out of your compensation or ownership's compensation as part of that investment?
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly not always feasible, and it, it sounds easier, um, but but it's just something I've never. And again, not that it's right for me. But it's just interesting to see how how aware some people are and how they how they handle that.
0: I also wonder if that's part of because I do know, you know, I don't I, I consume more real-time news, the CNBCs of the world. You tend to consume more of the podcast. So I listen to, you know, what you tell me about it. And it seems like in general those are our younger podcast participants, or if they're being interviewed at a particular time. I wonder if there's something about the view of younger entrepreneurs, or people that came through maybe a little differently than I did, having been raised by a boomer who was a grinder, who had a you know a micromanager chokehold on the vast majority of things. I wonder if that's something, and, and uh, just, just the way businesses presents, or maybe even the resources that are available, like YouTube and this constant ability mm-hmm. to learn and consume information. I wonder if that has a different um, slant on it than, than maybe how I was taught business along the
1: way. Uh, perhaps I mean, it seems to be a common thread there. Um, I, I don't know it's exclusively. I mean, in this context, I'm talking about it has been younger, um, but a lot of what I listen to is also the other end of the spectrum of of very wise and experienced. Um, but yeah, I mean for for this particular topic, it does seem to be like a, a common thread there mm-hmm. um, amongst younger younger founders.
0: Yeah. What we'll to uh, keep it on that, and I, and I and I love at some point as we continue to produce these. If there are ideas or or uh, if there's something that we're not miss, that we're missing, right? Sometimes I think. We can be pretty head down or so leaned in. There are blind spots that might seem pretty simple for other people. Like, no, you dumb dumps. Here's here's what you're missing, or here's what I mean. I would love to get that input or have someone say that to us along the way, or just a, a slightly different perspective that would open that up to us. That would be interesting.
1: Well, that that is the beauty of the technology that we have now, with especially podcasts where you can listen to exclusively if you choose, which I have been doing as I go through these struggles is founders and CEOs across all generations and cultures and diverse industries because you you do you learn, you get some ideas, it's like, wow, I, I never thought of it like that. And the most powerful thing isn't like somebody running through the the their tips or like we can all read books. We can all, it's Hey, I did this, I experienced this and it's here's my perspective because what it's done is at least it's opened my lens, it's made my lens a little bit broader, my perspective a little bit wider. Made me think of things in a different way and that power of sharing stories and experiences, like there that is the greatest lesson, mm-hmm. I believe. So, that that's been valuable, but of course, you gotta experience it yourself, and there's nuances to to every business, to mine, to yours, um, that we've got to figure out as we're going through it, yeah, real sure. time.
0: Yeah, you got to get beaten up, and and if, and if and it would be nice to have someone there to pick you up and wipe you off and stick you back in the game, like you did, like your coaches did when you were a kid, or whatever those different situations were. I was watching um, CNBC today, so as you know, uh, over consumer of CNBC, and. It's a really interesting conversation. So, for example, uh, there was talk about Tucker Carlson um, getting let go from Fox yesterday, and the one uh, the one guy that was on positioned it as, "Oh, good for Tucker," and the reason was that on it, and the statistic was on a great night, uh, his show would pull two point seven million viewers, but on a good night, Joe Rogan's show will pull eleven million listeners. So, it's not even close. As it relates to you know a typical network news show, and you know, and, and the question becomes, well, you know, what does cable or what do those different um, mediums or media have to do to continue to be relevant? Versus, I mean, that would suggest to me that there's going to be a Tucker Carlson or a, or a Don Lemon uh, who was let go from CNN podcast in the very foreseeable future. And that could go into the you know, 11, 12, 13, who knows what it is. But um, this particular um, medium it seems to have it all over typical you know or old school broadcast, which is interesting to watch that evolve
1: yeah and I, and I don't want to belabor this point because people are talking about it everywhere, but yeah certainly independent media is is changing the game, and people are drawn to it for yeah. sure yeah
0: and and the big part too was that on demand piece right that was one of the things that this this particular uh, person hit on was you know until you solve for that on demand component um, it's going to be difficult to to compete with what's going on out there and then there was a great uh, entree into manufacturing i mean and and it's, it's nice for once, and it hasn't happened a lot in my life, but to hear people talking about manufacturing again, and I think the pandemic... Uh, awakened a lot of people to just how few of our goods are actually made here in the United States and I would even say more aggressively Maryland is, is very incredibly underserved from a manufacturing perspective but you know when you can't get a first responder glove or you can't get a gown because you don't or, or before you even get to pharmaceuticals or some of those other uh, really critical critical products um, it starts to open your eyes and saying, Oh my goodness, we are we are very much too reliant on other people and, and in this case other countries for critical goods that we just take for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we've just been outsourcing that type of activity for so long in the name of price that uh man, when it comes to ruse in the form of a pandemic, everybody's eyes snap open,
1: yeah, absolutely. So I I do want to go back and and dig in a little bit more, although this isn't what we were going to talk about. I I like getting into our our struggles a bit as we're as we're going through it. And I think the great thing about uh, posing these these questions and these struggles early on is that with every episode we can give. A little bit more feedback of here's what I did, here's what worked, here's what didn't, here's where it is now. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really helpful as we're as we're trying these solutions and throwing things at the wall and you know. So I would love to know, and I think I know, but I'm sure the audience would love to know. Right now, if I if I could say, what is your biggest uh, biggest struggle as a business owner? What are you trying to sell for? What's creating the most? stress, whether that's you stress or distress, like we talk about right. in your life. Um, and, and what are the steps ideally that you plan to take to try to, to try to solve some of this?
0: The biggest problem right now is, is continuing to get it the right people in the right seats so i was touching a little bit earlier just on some of the turnover that we've experienced and whether that be retirements or people electing different roles we had a sales rep decide to go work with his son and and again no no uh falter or issues with with arnold packaging but that was a once in a lifetime opportunity that he had to take so if you just add up the people between retirements and that we lost hundred and forty some years of experience in the company, and at the same time, I was in the process of building out my direct reports from three to five. So, you know, the market caught me a little bit flat-footed as there was a um, uh, a decrease in in people at Arnold Packaging, and 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 I say talent. I mean, we have talented people everywhere. So, anytime someone leaves, their talents there's a talent loss, and it's really been a struggle in the last two or three years. To identify and and hire the right people for each of those roles, whether that be you know, technical expertise for their specific spot or chemistry uh, or alignment you know there's a particular way that that arnold packaging shows up you hit on it right that that piece where you a couple minutes ago you said and my team knows you know or you're you're on them whether it's about urgency or you know how tagler differentiates it's that speed of reply and and getting back first with the best answer is a big differentiator it's all about the people Yeah, it always will be uh, i don't care if you have the most mechanized organization in the world if you're you know if you're general motors and you have you know yellow robots all over it's still about the people it's about the people that run them it's about the vision that comes from the people that ultimately drives the business that interacts with your customers the market that help identify the next opportunities uh, that poke you when it's time to pivot in case you're asleep at the wheel but it's it's about people, and and um, you know, still we had a uh, we had a, a sales rep pass away in the last two weeks. I mean, as as many wild stories as you could come up with in the last three years, and and we've been at this for ninety years, and I've been at it thirty of those ninety any of the wildest stories you could come up with, um, we've experienced in the last three years. So it just, you know, the mantra for this year is to, to stabilize and optimize. And, and uh, you know, when you go through wild growth, either through the pandemic, we were growing into the pandemic, uh, you can have this get it out the door at all costs type feel and you're not as efficient. And um, you know, we made a very conscious decision as the market started to slow, and continues to slow, uh, to really get on top of stabilizing and optimizing. But it's really hard to stabilize when you when you have challenges with your people. You know, you've got to get somebody into the role. You've got to get them acclimated to your particular culture. And then then they have to learn the nuts and bolts, right? Let's just say you nail it on all, some of the intangibles, the culture, the work ethic. You still have to get them trained to do the nuts and bolts work inside of your company. And until that starts to happen, you have little to no chance of stabilizing the business. And until you stabilize, you sure can't optimize. And that's the biggest thing that we're working on right
1: now. How about you? Quick question that I did want to ask while you were talking. Do you think that struggle of finding the right people is industry-specific to manufacturing? Or does it make it more challenging than another industry, per se?
0: Um, If it does, it's just because in general because of what the US has been going through for such a long time now just for example in Maryland only 4% of Marylanders work in manufacturing so you know if i asked you what a doctor did or a lawyer did and you were 8 or 9 years old you'd have a pretty good idea you know there are people that you're associated with you know them maybe your your friends parents have those occupations manufacturing is tougher in that regard just because there isn't that overt demonstration you know it's it's statistically unlikely that your friends parents work in manufacturing and you know our daughters their dad works in manufacturing so that means there's only three more out of the next 99 so um, it just means that you might have to explain longer Um, you might have to uh, really get into the attractions and let particular applicants see it um, and that's why you know we work as hard as we do it junior achievement and starting to try to build out these workforces but if there's anything that's tough if it's getting someone to make a cross move from a different industry that can be harder which just means it reduces the pool of potential candidates so just from a numbers game right statistically your, your chances of of success are a little bit lower, and that's the extra type of work that you have to put into it to get that level of candidate that you're looking for. I mean, we've been successful. We bought people from from in and around the space. But if I think about my very best, the best people I've worked with, they had some type of manufacturing or industrial experience along the way. They at least had something coming in. They didn't come from a completely unrelated industry. Now. I, Accounting and finance is a little different in that regard mm-hmm. it is a little different in that regard, but some of the pure distribution or manufacturing roles um, it's certainly helpful in both right their ability to to come in and be effective sooner than later, and the ability to recruit hire and train because there's some familiarity with the particular space makes it a little easier too
1: mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense
0: how about on the construction side I mean I think you know we, <laughs> There's so many similarities, and I, th- I think it's why we get along with the same people. You know, you come to a manufacturing event, or I go to a construction event, and it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you familiar. You, yes, familiar. You talk about the blue collar component. People get up, they work hard, they're, they're nice, they're transparent. Um, Not always nice, sometimes well. <laughs> brutally honest, <laughs> and that's but okay. loyal to a handshake. But that's okay. That's okay. I, I would prefer t- it. I would take that over a smile and oh, a stab in the back day. Every, every day. But, uh, well, what have you found the transition to be in in recruiting and hiring into the construction side?
1: you know we're we're small, um, so I haven't done a ton of hiring more lately than ever. And I would say there's actually a lot of great talent out there. Have you hear that there's not now also i'm I'm hiring for more, we're a supplier, right? So I don't have, I'm not hiring labor that's going into the field and installing, or I don't need like specialized trade labor, which I think is harder. I mm-hmm. think it's more limited. So I think the pool is generally bigger when I'm looking for project managers or sales managers, whatever you want to call it. Um, when I'm looking for more, you know, executive positions, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And I've found that the talent is out there. However, it does require just, just some more, more training. Um, it, when you bring somebody on as as a project manager in construction, but I think we haven't struggled that much. But I'm probably not the right person to ask, just because I've done limited hiring. But I think I think the talent is out there. And I think there's actually a lot of young talent who is willing to come in and learn and is curious and and willing to work. So that's been my personal experience. But I will tell you, everybody I talk to in the construction industry on both the customer side of things and the vendor, is always looking for great people so that may that may say otherwise that like maybe there is a little bit of a a, a shortage of great talent cuz we're all we're all searching for that talent and we're all pulling for it yeah
0: but also too i mean statistically speaking half of the workforce is female and i don't like manufacturing it seems that both industries are slow too slow to uh, entice and, and welcome females into the industry. What have you seen? Better, change, same? What? What? Tell me about. Uh, you know, what are you seeing in the female side in the construction markets?
1: Yeah, slight increase. I don't know what the current percentage is of, of females in construction. Uh, I believe it's about fourteen percent, but I need to check that statistic. And of that fourteen percent, in that C-suite level, is you know less than one percent. I think, I know, there are more females coming into the industry, but not enough. And this is something that I'll, I'll definitely wanna do a separate episode on because there's, there's so much to talk about and not just about construction. Females in con- male-dominated industries, let's just call it that. And we don't do a good enough job of bringing awareness, of highlighting the opportunity of welcoming and making it easier all women see is either they don't see anything at all a the first problem or b they see barriers to entry and what i have seen on the other side is the pure just so many advantages of being a female of course as a female business owner i have the opportunity we're a woman owned business so you can i can leverage that in competitive contracts when there are minority requirements you know we we've got to be if we're neck and neck, we have the advantage because we have that certificate. Mm-hmm. That's one, but you know that's, that's for business owners that can make their companies woman-owned. For anyone else that's just interested, I can tell you that there is so much opportunity for women to come in and generally speaking, people are really receptive to it. What I found is there's a ton of guys that have become my mentors that have been in the industry 50 60 years and they're willing to sit down and share their stories and their experiences because they can tell i'm genuinely interested Mm -hmm. and that has been just i've learned so much i've just soaked it up like a sponge but I've, I've felt very welcomed. Are there times where I felt dismissed? Or are, do I get called Mr. on the regular via email? Or Brett. Or, or Brett? <laughs> yeah. um, are, are there people that are shocked, just like the other day? Oh my god, you're a female? It's the first? Of course, yes, all the time, constantly. But I don't find most of it is with Ill intent- set with ill intent. It's just sheer surprise mm-hmm. because of the statistics and, and the way they are. So we've just got got to get better at bringing an awareness. It's, it's just changed my life being in the industry. And, you know, you're a female. You come in. You automatically get noticed. You do, that, that in itself, everybody wants to be noticed. Right. By virtue of being the only female, by default, people remember your face and your name. Advantage one. Yeah. Um, and just bringing a different perspective and, and on things and a different skill set. Females and males n- don't want a broad brush, but we have different skill sets. Sure. And each is valuable in their own way. So you're bringing a new skill set to a company that most likely needs it. Yeah. So I, I could continue on this path, but um, th- that's what I'm seeing. But we need to get better. We need to get better. And, and the last thing I'll add is, You've seen a major uptick in the last few years of let's get more women on boards. Let's get more women on board seats. Let's get more women in different industries that are male dominated. And while that's great and I support that and I think it's helpful and going to be good for everybody, I think there's a lot of box checking going on. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's because people truly believe that. Um, I think it's, hey, let's say we did this or we've got to look inclusive here. Like, let's, you know, but until we really believe it and we're doing it for the right reasons and we're seeing the true benefits, nothing's really going to change. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Just you hit right on it. I mean, big companies spending billions of dollars in marketing to do one thing differentiate and the idea that to come into the space construction for sure and I think and I think construction uh, might have fewer females in manufacturing at this point mm-hmm. that's I have no that's no statistical backing but the idea that just walking in the room as a female female would give you what so many companies are in in, uh, in desperate search of differentiation is interesting I mean it's um, it's not easy to take that step I mean it, takes a certain amount of moxie and and uh, you know you got to try that out in a, in a great way whether it was your you know your lumberyard experience and and general contractor experience but I think if females would just, if you could find females that that just align with that, I I just want a differentiation or different is, is something that's very attractive to me. You just have to walk in the room of a construction company or a job site, and you've got it. You know, you've got it right out of the gate. And and uh, you know, manufacturing is the same way. I will say back to my happy stroll today inside of, of a uh, customer. I am starting to notice a lot more females on the manufacturing floor in engineering roles, in quality assurance roles, which I think are great. And and again, not broad brushing, right? But, but the broad know, brushing. But yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a boy. I can say it. Females attention to detail is better. You know, I mean, I'm a boy. If a squirrel runs by, then I'm probably not going to get whatever done I was working on. So I think there are incredibly valuable roles. And I, I agree with you that that um, there is some box checking going on. But I do know that done correctly, if you have the right differentiation and the right diversity, whether it's in the boardroom or on the team or whatever your team is, it, it doesn't matter. Just by simply having all of those perspectives, your team is going to be better. I mean, right? We will probably I will end up throwing around way too many um, military or sports analogies. Hopefully, more sports. But if you're building a team, you don't need three first basemen and and two left fielders, right? You want one great person in each position. And you know if they're if they're pulled in expecting the bunt, you better have the rest of the team watching their back. And and if you were to build diversity that look like that, then I think you'd really be on to it. So versus box checking or or, you know, making the annual report look great because you have you yeah. have right, you have all different uh, you know, colors and genders in there for the sake of it. If you've truly nailed it, then I think those companies are destined for absolute greatness.
1: Well let's be very clear. Diversity and inclusion are not the same. So you hear And I think that's a really important statement for business owners or management people that are doing the hiring or who are creating a culture. Just because you have people of all genders and races and ethnic backgrounds doesn't mean you're inclusive. True. You know that's 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 a very different thing, and I I I think we've got to be mindful of that. And this just brings. I I was listening to a podcast uh, probably a few weeks ago. And I was stoked about it because this guy, while he's gotten more into the social media influential realm, he started in construction and he's still a construction owner. He's built a really big business, which is great because you just, I I don't have the opportunity to hear a a lot of CEOs or or founders in the construction business. It's not not really social media forward most of the time. Um, So I was so excited about it. And one of the things he leads off with is... Yeah, we're really, we're bringing we have a lot of women in the business and we're bringing a lot of women on and going on this tangent. I'm like, well, this this is awesome. Then he goes on to say that, or or the the, um, interviewer said, well, how many women do you have in your company? And he goes on to say like three or four out of 80. That's the lowest ratio I've ever heard of any construction company I know. Right. And then he goes on to say that he believes women are great. The three that he's bragging about having, because they are—they um, don't have egos and they are team players. And and I'm just thinking to myself, that's why. Right. Because to me, you know what that sounds like? Doormat. It's uh, doormat. It sounds a like doormat. B like we're complying with the man. We're complying with what you want, so it's easy for you. Right. And. It might not have been intended that way, but that's what I heard. Yeah. And I can tell you that's what a lot of females are hearing. Sure. And it's, that is that is just so not true. Like, I am female, and I am going to go toe-to-toe with you. And I, I don't think that description of a lot of females, especially in management positions, would agree with that. I don't even think that's true. I don't even think it's descriptive. But maybe that's who he's hiring. But just like... The, you you were on this platform. He was on a huge platform. And that is your representation of women in construction. Yeah, I was like, I, whether people hear this or don't, like I simply want to get out there on a podcast so we can change that narrative and tell you how it actually is because that is a poor representation. He's the only one that people are listening to right now on this. Yeah. So it just, if you can't tell, frustrated me to no end, <laughs> and I've thought about it constantly yeah. since...
0: Yeah, that's uh, and yeah, that's a, a level of ignorance, and I mean that in the truest form of the word, you know, not knowing what you don't know, or tone deaf, same thing. But yeah, I mean, meanwhile, you have you have half of your company are females, right? <laughs> so, and and uh, certainly here, it and in, in both of our divisions, we have you know incredibly. Bright and and awesome females, and you know they're as leaned in and, and tenacious and fearless as anybody else in the entire organization. So it it's uh, yeah, and listen too, I think. Yeah. Females have to step up and do that, also, right? I mean, um, absolutely. I I think certain females, if they saw that was the culture, they wouldn't go there, right? I mean, if you were just going to show up and comply, then any number of of great females, anybody, but females in particular, like, well, I don't, I don't want to do this, you know. I don't. If you need another first baseman, I'm not coming here. If you just don't want another yes person to uh, to agree with what you're saying and and give the corporate report a better look when they take all of our pictures or on the website, a lot of females that don't want to be part of that either, which which is great. We just need more of that. I don't mean in an indignant way, right, or, or an obstinate way, but in a, you know, I, I'm a valuable resource and you, you hired me on here to play my position and I intend to play it and, and I'm going to play it hard too. And I think that's, that's amazing. That's, that's what right looks like.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, it's not lost on me that women haven't had as much experience through the many years in construction, There's been very few, relatively speaking, females that have been in the field that have put together building blocks of a building. So just by virtue of that, yeah, there are there are going to be men, a lot more men that have a lot more experience that are a lot more knowledgeable. But that's okay. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we can't come like I recognize that I, I recognize that. I'm working with many superintendents or foremans in the field who have way more experience than me, but I also know what I'm good at. And there are some things that I know more than them. And it may not be how to build the, you know, that the foundation of the building, but we've got a role to play and it's significant. So I, I think females can come in listen. You don't have to be the most experienced to make a massive difference. Know what you're good at, pull a seat up to the table and, not don't just have a seat, have a voice at the table and make it heard. So there's we we need to just change the narrative, uh, one step at a time. But also the dimensions are changing. You know, technology
0: is pushing all of these businesses, and even the more traditional businesses, manufacturing has never been pushed harder by technology. Construction's in the same place. So, you know, when when these when technology is taking out some of the brute force that used to exist in construction and some of the brute force that used to exist in manufacturing, whether it was simply picking up heavy things because you worked on a production line, technology is going to change that. Those future jobs are going to be about the person that programs the machine that picks up that piece or that that drives that Hardware, whatever it is, so that dirty, dingy, dangerous stuff is going by the wayside as fast as possible. And the reason is, it's not productive, right? That's the reason that it. There's, there's only one simple uh, explanation, and it's productivity. You know, anytime you can hold the line on input, which is manpower, and you can improve output, then you're going to go in that direction. And and for the United States to be uh, competitive in a global workforce and and marketplace, that productivity's got to be there. So, never a better time for females to enter when it comes to programming, engineering, code writing, with what's going on with AI at this particular point. And and that's you know AI has been in the industrial space for a very long time. It's not front and center, but you know the the cameras that we use, for example, to um, uh, to to inspect or validate. I mean, all we're doing is showing a camera what right looks like a gazillion times and asking us to tell it when it's wrong. And it looks it looks smart, right? They know when you're smiling. Well, no, they don't. And show the show the, the, the machine a picture of you smiling a billion times. It knows when you're not smiling. It doesn't know if you're sad, but it knows that you're not smiling, mm-hmm. and smiling equals happy. So, I mean, all of those, the, 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 the lid's coming off of all of that, and the smartest organizations are going to get really wide in their hiring and recruitment and attraction uh, capabilities and they're going to pick up the best and the brightest in, in those spaces and man in my travels and who we who we interview around here females are in those spaces a lot and you only have to look at the education standards and, and statistics on who's in college right now there's more coming and more coming so I think uh, you know construction is positioned beautifully if they'll get their head out of their Tails and spots, and, uh, and, yes. and start let get their head out of their asses, mm-hmm. and uh, and start leveraging those pieces because how are you, how you, you can't do it without it. I mean, there's any number of of uh, historical demonstrations and examples, like Japan, who didn't leverage the really smart other part of their uh, population called females, and they were a mighty force for a split second, and they were gone. So uh, I don't. I, I hope we're smarter than that. I really do.
1: That's a really good point. I mean, technology can do a number of things. It can widen the opportunity for females. It can also expedite the learning and thus closing that gap that I was talking about between male and female knowledge, just by virtue of us not being in the industry as long. Or um, so that that's a really good point that I I haven't spent too much time thinking about, but I should. Yeah. Well, look,
0: you're not going to be subject to those paradigms, right? If paradigms could hold you back. Simply by coming in with a very different perspective, it, there's going to be something to learn from not doing it the way it used to be done. And that's value. Right maybe, wrong maybe, but it's definitely going to be different. And whoever can tap into that and, and turn that into a productive force is going to be the next disruptor for sure.
1: Now, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a transition here. And the the one thing I do want to talk about a little bit is you know, I, I do think it's important that we hit on um, some of our personal relationship as, as it relates to some of these topics, not just the business. So I want to start with business, and I'll tell you where I'm going, but I'm going to preface it as start with the business aspect of this and then just move on to the personal. Do you believe, and, and I do in the situation I was telling you about with this interviewee and interviewer that I'm so frustrated with, Do you think one of the reasons um, there may not be a lot of females in in, in certain companies or in certain roles, do you think, and I'm not suggesting it does, this is a question, there's a part of that almost emasculation where it's like, I'm a male, we know best, hear me roar. Like, is there any competitive? And that could be, you know, I'm talking inside the business and then we'll move on to the relationship side of things and how that can play out, which maybe that's, it's a bit, bit more relative in that, in that realm. But do you think there's part of that where males still want to be, at the helm and there's almost like we we can't be challenged or taken down by a female like that. that is emasculation it says it exactly as it is like what do you think or do you think that's not at play
0: no I think it's in play um yeah of course it is we're not yeah we are where we are and and we got here how we got here and whether that's from an evolution perspective, or the last, just look at at a hundred years of business, right? And and it's only been recently, and especially if you look at the big scheme, right? If you look at thousands of years, it's only recently that we've we've gotten here, and had uh, you know amazing, capable females. And yeah, there are a lot of males that are slow to change. And if you look at just the generations that are in the workforce, and this is just simply comparing. The people that are working right now, whether it's the, the the Boomer generation, the one that's older than me, and how they were brought up and and their worldview as it relates to business because of how they were brought up, and then if you go back, if you go then you know a few generations um, later, the 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 uh, the group that's entering the workforce now, which I think is Generation Z, and I don't get hung up on all the generational names, just just um, to acknowledge that if you look at the 60 or 80 years that are between those age groups, how much change has has taken place. Yeah, it's it's going to be slow, and and uh, and I and I promise you, there are there are older men since we're talking about the immacul you know the, the emasculation portion, there are older men in business or on the planet, period, that are just never going to let go of that. It's going to be what it is, and um, you know, as a, as a uh, as a species, we'll just have to evolve out of that component. Certain people just won't be able to get there in their particular lifetime. And I'm sure it's even a little bit laced in the generation behind it, which is mine. I see it, and I would like to hope that as we continue to evolve, and and newer uh, segments of the workforce that that went to school with, uh, you know, Tommy, our uh, our our esteemed uh, producer here, that that went to school with with very. Uh, smart and uh, and driven and competent and even loud in spots in a good way females that that's not only acceptable it's it's the norm it's absolutely the norm so it wouldn't be to look and say you know why is Brit so loud that's annoying it wouldn't be anything like that I mean that idea and- I
1: prefer assertive babe
0: <laughs> no no I'm going there I'm going there um, you know we talk to our daughters about it all the time the idea that you know an assertive male is a leader and an assertive female is a, is bossy right and but they, if you watch them on video, for example, they would have the exact same traits, but one gets branded this way, and one gets branded that way. So yeah, I, I, I absolutely think uh, it's in there. But it, you know, I'm, I, at the same time, I'm very encouraged by the number of female CEOs that I see in and around the space. And anything from uh, Buffalo Wild Wings uh, was one of my favorite CEOs along the way, uh, IBM, Pepsi, General Motors, so on and so forth. So it is absolutely changing. I don't know that it's unfortunate that uh, I, I'd love to know those names that I just put out of those companies, how many of our viewers know who I'm talking about, right? Did, did you know that General Motors CEO is a female? I think that. Uh, there's not as much noise around it. You know, I also think that male CEOs on a spot tend to be noisy. And maybe that is part of that emasculation process, you know, that roaring thing, if you will, um, that still goes on. Yeah, I absolutely think it still goes on. Yeah. And, and I don't know that, I'm not sure, I don't think at my age, I'm going to see the, the death of it. I don't think we'll evolve through it, but we do have to do, especially as, as dads of females, we've got to do a better job of recharting what right looks like and what's acceptable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see two very different dynamics. I'm not sure that's the, the correct word, but at play. You know, within my own company, I get asked all the time, you know, how how do you is it weird, is it awkward to basically manage and run a company when you've got, A, older people working for you and older males working for you? And you would think you know, that would be, but it's just not at all. I mean, people come, they come to your company because they respect you. And it's like gender doesn't even matter, at least to me. And, and I don't feel... Feel like everybody treats me with such respect, whether it's male or female, and that's that's not at play at all within my company. But certainly, when I'm dealing with other business owners outside of that, whether it be on our customer, or vendors, whoever, whatever it is, um, I've gotten dismissed, you know, or somebody. It's, people don't even respond sometimes when, I mean, and that's that's real. Yeah. Uh, when they know you're a female. Yep. Until. They realize I can help them. Yeah. Then everything changes real quickly. So that that's that's interesting observation, and and I don't. Uh, it, it would be easy to me, you know, at that point, screw you. Like, but it's I I think being aware of it, and especially the generational differences that you speak to, mm-hmm. and almost expecting it at times. It's like, it's fine. Like yeah. I, I I get it, um, and it is what it is. But it's also motivation to change. Yeah,
0: and and listen, and you're and you're you know, uh, brilliant about you know just just hanging in there, right? It's fine. You know, I'm not going anywhere. And I think the people that that do that, I can only imagine they don't know that. You've done it on your own. I mean, I certainly experienced that. I mean, I thought the opposite side of that, albeit a male. I thought the um, silver spoon mantra. fell into
1: your lap. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, you know, Arnold. Arnold acts like he hit a home run when he was born on third base. You know, that's one of my favorites, and. That's what I ran into, you know, that you just, you know, you were born there and that's, that's the way it is. So when it came to managing, obviously I was a male, but when it came to managing older people, that was certainly a challenge. And, and uh, like you though, the ones that got it, that had watched me grow up in the business and watched me work my ass off and put in the time. They were not only okay with it; they were supportive of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were any number of other ones that were just never going to be okay with it, and our alignment or lack of alignment uh, was evident very quickly. And they they weren't with the organization that long, and I didn't do anything about it. They ultimately self selected out by their behavior or um, whatever. But that's what I that would be another piece of uh, you know that type of you know silver spoon type thing. You didn't earn it, um, you know. You're just a female in the business, so it it, it probably had a similar feel um, in spots. You know, just just not getting, just being assumed you are that way, which I think is called prejudice, prejudging someone, Uh, just assuming they know who you are before they even get a chance to see how you show up is uh, is interesting.
1: It's actually my favorite thing because, as you know, I like the hardest challenges and. I do. I, I do not get that. just <laughs> a thrill and just so much adrenaline out of them. But when I come up across an older gent, you know, the gray hair that's just like this, who is this female? Like, what the hell? Else? Sweet, sweet little girl. Yeah, sweet, sweet little <laughs> girl. Head pet. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make them love me. I'm going to make them love me. By outworking them? Uh, out and, and just, them. you know, I... I can connect uh, with anyone. I think when you deal with so many different people for, for a long time, it's it's practice just like anything else. So I'm so certain that once I can just talk to somebody and usually it takes face to face, like I can break that barrier down so fast. So I love the challenge. So to me, I, 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 I almost don't even recognize like, Hey that guy's me an asshole I'm like hey we're gonna be we're gonna be cool and he's gonna love me <laughs> like that's right. it's just a challenge like and yeah. maybe that's my like eternal optimist or that I'm just like this is this is great, yeah. but so maybe a good way to end on would be how does that play out in relationships? You know, we are a little bit different in that we're both business owners and we both have what I would consider thriving businesses, but you're going to have, and and that's the only thing we can speak to, but certainly it would be different if you had one female that was a complete breadwinner and over a male or, you know, in, in, in a relationship, how do you experience it? And, and I, I will go into my experience with it as well, but having a strong female that, does is very hard headed and stubborn and assertive and can be loud and does things you know a certain way I'm talking about myself and in mm-hmm. all the positives and negatives that go with a female business owner or you know a stronger female like how, how do you how do you feel about it and obviously you felt aligned with it mm-hmm. but how do you feel aligned with it and and the last question, I've hit you with like five. <laughs> the, the last question, hopefully, if you remember hopefully, hopefully all hopefully of I
0: remember these, all these. Yes, Tommy, I'm going to need some prompts.
1: Is would your younger self be able to handle someone like me?
0: Yeah. Oh, boy. That's a lot. Um, so obviously, I, I love it. And, and you're right. It is about the alignment. And just in that. If the alignment wasn't there, I would be alone a lot, you know. And I and and uh, and I know you're in the same situation, just because there's so much work that has to be done. And and um, depending on where you are in your growth cycle or the size of the business, there's certain things that are only going to get done if you do them. You know, you don't have a lot of extra bandwidth sitting around in the company to say, "Hey, Joe, when you're not doing anything, do you mind starting a new division or a new revenue stream?" It's generally going to be owner. Driven or or leadership driven, Um, so it's the alignment is mandatory, right? I mean, if if uh, if it weren't there, our relationship would have failed because I I would have been absent, and I know you're saying this or shaking your head because you're saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. In that, you know, if I weren't able to, uh, I say endure at times. Like there's endurance moments, right? Where. Where we're just in in out of cycle for a moment, where you've got a massive something going on, and I have some free time, and I'm, am I, I'm like, hey, let's go play, and you're like, nope, not play time now. So it, you know, there's some times when it's not aligned, but it's rare, you know, it's really rare, and and we seem to gel in that regard where, or we're both ready to take a break. We finally say, oh, you know what, twenty four hours doesn't matter, and we're going to get off the grid and we're going to do it together. But I would say uh, back to your original question nothing else would be sustainable. You know, it's um, no one's going to tolerate what, you know, what... a business owner has to do if you really want to be with your partner, right? If you're if you're happy living a double life of sorts, and I don't mean post office box double life, but I mean if you're doing 100% of half and your partner's doing 100% of half, that's different than doing half of the whole. So if you're okay with that, and I've certainly experienced lots of relationships like that, friends and, and business associates, I was in one for a period of time, and not in a bad way, but just doing 100% of half and if you're okay with that where you know your your partner your spouse your your uh, significant other goes off doing their thing and they do it hard head down and you're okay being over here doing something else and and maybe not seeing that person or only seeing them sparingly then that could work you know
1: and, and I imagine but it wouldn't work for me. N- no and I imagine to interject on your point this happens probably in a ton of households where it's the you know the women raise the children hundred percent and the men go and work yeah, and pr- provide and, if you and will. provide yeah, yeah. yeah
0: absolutely so no that's but, uh, but
1: that wouldn't really fall into what we're talking about necessarily the emasculation of, of of having a female that may come off as competitive or or like i i imagine the the instance is you have a female that is also providing Yeah, like that sure. that's probably the most common
0: yep yeah no that that yeah that part's great i mean i don't i've never uh never felt competitive with you in that example for one minute i mean i i do believe you know we have this one plus one equals five thing where your victories are my victories and vice versa and even if you if you knocked it out of the park 10 times bigger than anything i ever did i'd still be ecstatic about it you know i wouldn't it wouldn't it it might drive me at times i mean there are times Mm -hmm. when um I want to be better, do better. Yes, but not because it's to outdo you or ever be in competition with you. I just think I just look at it and go, "Hmm, that's impressive." And Mick Arnold wants to do that too, mm-hmm. not because he wants to better Brit Arnold or better anybody else. It's about Mick Arnold driving Mick Arnold exclusively. Um, so no, that, that's um, but and and, I'm, and I think too having daughters, uh, which I I say you know, we is is huge it rounded my edges because back to one of your other questions could younger mcarnold have done it boy i don't know that's a hard that's a really really hard question um and i don't know if i'm so easy with it loving of it good with it if you will now because i have done the other piece the 100 percent of half and i know that doesn't work for me and I'm, I'm sure it works for a lot of people um maybe because i experienced that i could only ever have it this way or, or nothing at all I, I i was certain i was just going to be alone um and i think the girls have have helped in that regard too mm-hmm. in, in rounding my edges and and being um having a lot higher emotional intelligence mm-hmm. than i did you know the idea of um, listening and not fixing, right? That's a great one that we can tell a lot of males about along the way, you know? When you run a business, you're a fixer, and if someone's in your in your doorway, it's because they have a problem and they need it solved. Well, it could be that your daughter just wants you to listen, because she had a bad day, or, you know, the leg fell off of her Barbie doll, or whatever her particular uh, huge thing was, and, you know, she's giving an Emmy award-winning performance over, and they just want you to listen, and it's a, a big evolutionary moment for for me, was learning the difference between uh, listening and fixing. So I think those are all just things that I that I put in my toolbox along the way, and it just made me more ready to be, you know, with you or um, a, a better partner than I would have been otherwise if I hadn't had those experiences. And and uh, has put me in a position to celebrate all of your wins and and um, and never ever feel competitive at all in that regard.
1: It's really I've never thought about this, but I am crazy, terrifyingly competitive almost with everyone. But like you're one of the only people that I genuinely have never felt ever in my life competitive with. I've never really thought about that. Hmm. I mean, we we can have fun competition, but like I've never...
0: Ping pong table. Yeah, that's not so much. But like real
1: competition that causes any, like I've never felt even an ounce of it. And as I'm thinking about it, maybe it really just comes down to if you have someone that genuinely supports you and like really cares, really gives a shit yeah. that that's all it takes to be like, uh, just, I, I don't know. And we work so closely together and helping each other. Like a lot of your wins feel like mine. Sure. They're so shared. And like those yeah.
0: experiences are so shared. If we're both there for the buildup. That's a big part of it, right? It's not like you just come home. That's, that's a big part of the difference. You know, when if you're doing a hundred percent of the half and you come home and you drop the win, it doesn't have nearly as much as much you know value or gravity as if you were there for the buildup of the win. You know, we're talking about when I identify said opportunity, whatever that is, mm-hmm. and then to live through it when you finally get the win and you've been taking your partner with you the entire time, or you've been right there in lockstep. It has a lot more gravity than if you just got the win dropped on you one day after work or on a Friday when it closed or something along those lines. So I think that's that's a big part of it is that we're we're. Yeah. In that space um, and, con- and not only just wa- contributing to, right? There's conversations that go back and forth between us in those moments. Did you think about, did you try, well, what did they say? Well, what did you say? Right. There's almost a preparation component on the way to the win that we help each other with through that conversation.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure some of it has to do with a little bit like we've definitely, we, although we work together closely, like we've got our own things that are different, but I'm not really sure that matters mm-hmm. as much. Um, I, I'm really not, but I've been in other—not a lot, but other long-term relationships where it, it did feel competitive. And I—I I told you, I would purposely have like really big, or, or what I thought at least, were very big wins professionally that I wouldn't even share mm-hmm. because I didn't want my significant other to feel bad about their situation or, um, t- didn't want them to think I was bragging and, and like, that's a terrible spot. Yeah, like yeah. you can't even share your wins. And, um, it, it was, it, it took us toll. Talk about, it. It, talk
0: about a double life, right? I mean, it was, <laughs> it was terrible
1: and it, and it really took a toll. And, uh, that's just, I, I guess I learned that that's just something I can't be, but I, I do want to point out one thing in that I think the reason which you, you didn't point out and maybe don't want to, maybe you're not aware of it, but the biggest difference is you've got to have a really strong and confident male that's super secure to be able to be in an environment with a strong female where it works. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that is the only way. And then a female has to have that support. Like those things, it's gotta be free flowing. And, and that's, and until that, dynamic is there like there will be a feeling of competition or masculation. it takes a very i would say both parties to yeah. be super secure that's right that's and exactly right and uh, then all of a sudden you can have this really equal partnership yeah. true partnership yeah
0: totally agree all right well, that's awesome, and I think we do. And uh, and and today, of all days, I think we purely demonstrated our equal partnership. That was a great conversation. I needed that too. It's only Tuesday, but man, this has been a week already.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm 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 excited to keep this conversation going. And also, as I as I talked about, like an extension of this conversation, but also continuing to talk about our progression of of these challenges and of what we're going through and what we're doing to solve and what's not working to be like a true help to other people that are going through similar things. So that's what I really want to share in like the, the raw, the rawest way when it like, Cuts the most and it hurts. Like let's talk about it then, yeah. and let's talk about what we're doing as Agreed. we
0: go. Yeah, we'll share our losses, right? It won't be. It won't have a social media look. we will only share our, our good trips and our and our wins. We'll share our losses. Let's just hope <laughs> there's
1: more good than bad. I mean, that's <laughs> like that's the only thing we've got to got to hope for. I
0: think we'll. I think we'll will it as such.